welcome to the 25th episode of the Loose Threads podcast, a show about the intersection of fashion technology and commerce. Joining me today is Yehua Young, a co-founder of Pivot, a brand creating performance apparel that women can wear in everyday life. Yehua started the brand after wanting the benefits of the athletic fabrics found in yoga pants, but in clothing that was more professional and work appropriate. If you look at the industry at the broader scale, actually the only two segment that's growing is the ultra luxury or deep discount so we knew it was going to be really tough to be somewhere in the middle but we just really wanted to give a really good value product at the same time brands were dabbling in this space by taking their men's clothes and making them in women's sizes which created mediocre results yawa knew that the only way to make clothing that women wanted to buy and wear was to start designing specifically for them which is why she started pivot this is the second edition of our spotlight series which profiles emerging brands and companies in a slightly shorter interview. This is new, and we're looking forward to your feedback on it. Here's my talk with Yehua Young. So why don't we start by tell us a bit kind of about Pivot, how it got started, and we can go from there. Sure. Pivot is low-maintenance clothing for high-performing women. My co-founder Evelyn and I are both kind of pretty active girls, and we kind of like do a lot of activities. You know, we have a lot of guy friends who are very active and they've been dressing this way for years and this category, you know, emerging category we're calling performance wear. You know, you're familiar with several men's brands that's been, you know, in the market for a good while now. And to be totally honest, we kind of just like wanted the same thing for ourselves. And there really weren't that great options out there. I think around the time that we had been talking about this for like a few years before we even started, you know, like that whole athletic boom was happening, which was great. I mean, I would love to run around in my yoga pants all day. But at the end of the day, you know, we're professional women and as always worked in advertising, marketing, and I've always been in fashion. I've always been in design. And I think part of being a designer, you actually get to get away a little bit more with like not being dressed up all the time, like rather than being in sales or PR, you know, the designer's kind of like hidden away in the back and I could kind of get away with being a little bit more casual, but you still have to be presentable just in case, you know, a buyer sees you in the showroom or something. (laughs) So we wanted this for ourselves and the options out there just weren't there. It was all menswear or the few that, you know, had gotten to a point where they can kind of like try to give a few women's options. It just didn't really work for us. We've probably like tried on every single performance brand, their women's stuff. And they kind of just like took their men's stuff and like made them in smaller sizes for women. And (laughs) we make fun of this because we tried on these pair of pants and it just gave me like mom butt, you know, I don't have like a nice perky butt to begin (laughs) with. And then it just gave me like a flat dude bored ass. And I was like, I don't want this. I, I want like things that'll give me like a nice perky butt. So you know, that was like the whole frustration. Yeah. And then we were just kind of talking about this and Evelyn just like looked at me. She was like, you actually design and make clothes like for a living. You could just do this. And I was like, yeah, I could. But then, you know, I'll like spend, you know, a couple of grand and make a pair of pants for myself and then what? So I looked at her and I was like, well, you know, I need someone to do like, like branding and marketing if it's ever going to be a thing. So that was it like over a bowl of pho and we're just like all right let's just like let's just try it so we met at that event with outlier yeah which is probably one of the more kind of men's variations that comes to mind there's acronym there are a few others out there is it fair to say that the technical piece has generally been like a guy's thing to kind of gather around yet 
that's not to say that women are not at all interested in the same benefits. You know, what's really, really funny is like, you know, all our guy friends who are really obsessed with outlier and, you know, Arcteryx Valence and like you said, acronym, they buy their clothes and they'll spend a lot of money on their clothes they're willing to. And they're, you know, they're into fashion, but they talk about it in the same way that they talk about like their techie gear, you know, like look at this, you know, yeah. 30, 60, like, you know, like they talk about it in the like tech specs and like they talk about it in a way that they buy all their other gear. I think women want the same things. They just don't care about all the like little details in the same way guys do. And they would love to have their clothes like perform and function in the exact same way, but they're still going to buy it because it makes them look good and they want it to be a certain style and like, you know, that it yeah, does things. It's a but, higher level. Interest. Right. And I don't think like women generally, I think there's probably like a small subset, which is why I think it's been really difficult for a lot of these brands to get into the women's fears because they market it the same way. They're like, look at this, you know, like the 360 gram, like four ways. And like women just like, they kind of like, oh, okay, like what can I do with it? Right. What does it do for me? How does it look? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's, it's more just like finding like a different way to communicate what it is, even though they want the same things. Right. And so when was that again? I say officially, we launched the Kickstarter in 2015. Okay. And it was a lot of like learning. It's like, oh, we actually now have to do production. And like, what does that mean? And, you know, even though I've been in fashion for like now 10 years, I've always been on the design and product development side. And then actually getting then like, you know, hundreds of pieces made is like, oh gosh you know like when you're sampling and making a sample you can do anything like you I can literally like sit there and like glue things on you know just to hang it up in the showroom but then you're like oh now I have to actually get multiple of these made and you can't make the factory sit there and like glue things on for you or whatever it is so the whole like production process was like a definitely like a new learning experience for me. So the Kickstarter was successful? The Kickstarter was successful. We reached 150% of our goal, and which was like very helpful. And we wanted to, you know, control and test a small batch. And I'm very glad that we did because we definitely, you know, learned a lot from the first production run. We were able to ship out the Kickstarter and then from there, like slowly set up e-commerce and like figure all those things out. And then for like half a year, I was sitting on no inventory because I just didn't plan it well. And, you know, we're just like, oh, well, fuck, like, what do we do now? And, you know, it's like, you get traffic and they're like, when are you going to restock? I'm like, I'm sorry, I just emailed the mill and it's going to take me like three months to remake the fabric. And, you know, it's just bad planning and like learning experience. Yeah. Was the plan from the beginning always to go direct to consumer? Was there ever wholesale or how did you think about the business side of it? I think that was the idea, mostly because I knew some of the difficulties and I I knew in the sense of like what we wanted the design and the aesthetic to be. It wasn't going to be like about my point of view as a designer. It wasn't going to be a designer label. And then like so from there, I thought it was going to be really difficult to start like doing Mm -hmm. wholesale because I don't think we were going to be able to get press in the same way that like I want it to be a very like a more commercial accessible product I didn't want it to be too designer and product to where you're gonna have like you know 0.1% of the population that's gonna be able to afford it or like get to it so wholesale was not a huge target on our end and then at the end, I mean, to be totally honest, like the way things priced out, because we're right. a manufacturer here, I'm sure you know, the way pr- things priced out, there was just like no way we we're going to be able to do wholesale 
and make margins, or we're going to have to increase the retail costs, and then, then right, you're back to the one percent exactly. Yeah. And you know, so we're just like, okay, let's start with smaller margins, get it out there, get feedback, and then we'll work from that. So you know, with every production run, I'm like, okay, can I get like one percent better? Can I get two percent more margin on this? And then slowly work our way through that. Cool. So how did that first kind of release go after kind of post Kickstarter? It was decently successful. <laughs> I think I want to say we were maybe like a month later than what we promised people, which That's I feel like in Kickstarter world is like, whoa, I recently. That's um, early in Kickstarter I, I, world. I know, right? Um, I was talking to my friend who's like helping someone she like recently met trying to fulfill one of his Kickstarter tiers. And I think he's like a year late. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I feel like so good. But it was decently successful and we got a lot of feedback and, you know, you just have to like learn from there. I think one of the things that I, we debated a lot about was, you know, it started with like a pair of pants and to this day, you know, we both kind of knew like doing like a one off, like one pair of pants thing for Kickstarter probably would have been better, hmm. but we decided to kind of like launch with this whole capsule collection because we knew that our ultimate goal was to build out like a women's almost like a lifestyle brand to where like you can cover someone head to toe, like throughout everything. So we started the launch with like um, the whole capsule collection and it was like too much for Kickstarter. It was like way harder to understand Hmm. the concept of that. As opposed to selling a single. As opposed to selling a single pair of pants and like maybe like do it in a couple of different colors or like, you know, two different lengths or something. And that's like much easier concept to get for Kickstarter. But it's funny because that's also been our like best selling item. And it's the only thing that we've like restocked over and over Hmm. because that's where I started. And that was like our biggest pain point as well. It was the pants. Yeah, it was the pants. It was just like kind of the like do everything pants that, you know, fit well, like looked good and easy to care for. Like everything is machine washable. And it's just I'm so sick of dry cleaning and just done with it. Cool. So how did you kind of approach then kind of quality and also price point? I feel like that's a constant battle, like every single day. We knew we were not going to be able to compete with like the fast fashion. There's just like no way and like we don't need to. They do a great job at what they do of providing like trendy things at an easily accessible price point. And so, you know, we knew we wanted to be like a little bit higher. But the problem is actually, you know, if you look at the industry, like at the broader scale, actually the only two segment that's growing is like the ultra luxury or like deep discount so we knew it was like going to be really tough to be somewhere in the middle but we just really wanted to give like a really good value product but still try our best to keep the price like relatively accessible I mean I know like not everyone's going to be able to shell out $200 for a pair of pants but the hope is like you know you just make a pair of pants that people really really want and they're like oh this can replace like 10 pairs of my Zara pants or whatever. And then it is a better value. Yeah. So that idea, I think, is very much a guy's thing, right? Of like having the one pair of pants or the one short or whatever. Personally, I'm that guy. I will buy one pair of acne jeans a year. I'll wear them until they fall apart and then I'll repeat. But generally, I feel like it's thought of that women care more about diversity and kind of not repeating the same thing and all that. Do you see that changing? I don't know if it's going to be like changing in a mass scale but I definitely see I hate saying this because I hate like talking about trends because what is a trend but unfortunately or fortunately 
women in the workplace and women's issues has become more of a topic conversation. You know, it's funny, it's like women are not a trend where 50% of the population, but like for whatever, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but for whatever reason, I think like women's issues have become more of a conversation topic for what it's worth. And so there's a lot of talk about like women in the workplace and equality. And I hate like making this bigger than it is because at the end of the day, we're selling clothes. But, you know, like... Since starting this, I've met a lot of female entrepreneurs, a lot of women who work in tech industry and, you know, work in in an entrepreneurial space. And it's actually like a really easy sell because it's like, oh, it's not about what you wear. You want to look professional so that like your clothes is like the last thing that you want people to remember about you, just that like you looked presentable and you mm-hmm. look professional and you look good, but it's not something that like you want to spend like an hour thinking about like, what am I going to like right. wear today? We talked to this woman who was raising funds for her company and she was like, this is like one of her biggest like embarrassments of her life. She was late to an investor meeting because she like didn't like the outfit that she had picked out the night before and then like was changing the morning of and she was like late to the investor meeting. And as soon as she walked up to him, she knew it was like over because hmm. he was just like not entertained. So it's like this whole concept of just making your life easier, but still like making yourself look good. Right. Definitely. Yeah. All right, so we talked about the first year, and then kind of what was year two like? And I guess we're in year three right now. We're just actually right now um, trying to come up with like more products because we were very, very edited in the beginning of like, okay, what is the basic, like the one thing that you need from like each category? And now trying to grow and expand on that and figuring out what are the other things that like you need, you know, so we kind of categorize as like, this is your primary tier and then like the secondary stuff of like, what else? So what was the primary and then kind of what are you looking at? As sure. The I think initially we started out like you need a jacket, you need a layering top and like a soft like topper piece. And then we did a structured dress and a jersey dress and then our pants. We did one pair of pants. So actually right now we're going into a few other classic items. We're doing a few more pants styles. We're doing a more casual style that's releasing like actually in a month. And then in the fall, we'll have like a little bit, few more cuts and four bottoms. And I think we're just going to focus on bottoms for right now because gotcha. we just realized that's like the thing that like people are really gravitating towards. So have you found any challenge selling bottoms online? Because generally there is, at least in the guy space, there's a idea that it's actually much easier to sell shirts than it mm-hmm. is tops. Is that different? Have you faced that? I think there's probably a little bit more variation in shape for women. And I think most of our returns have just been like, oh my gosh, I love this, but this pant just wasn't the fit for like my body type. And that's kind of like the next step is just like trying to cover more fits and trying to cover more bodies because people want it. And, you know, we're just the two of us and this is like what we can do, but like trying to build that. So it's hard. I think selling anything online, people want to touch and feel things and they want to try things on to see if it fits. So, you know, we try to provide as much information as possible and give individual product measurements. And I'm literally just like answering emails. It's like, these are my measurements. Like, what size should I get? You know, and then, you know, just like letting people like try on and figure things for themselves. So that's probably the biggest challenge of selling things online. Talk a bit about kind of the production piece of it how you decided to manufacture domestically and kind of how that's all going. You know, I'd spent several years working here and I've been really lucky in that 
I've always worked somewhere where they still had an in-house sample room, which is very rare these days. Through that, you know, like I'm very familiar with the garment industry. And so actually at the time when we decided to proceed with this, I was actually living in Asia and like it definitely crossed my mind. Like maybe I should just like stay here and then like use my connections here. Aside from like, well, if you're, you know, making like 100 pairs of pants to begin with, like no factory here is going to take your order. Aside from that, there was more so just like more trust in terms of like the level of product that we wanted to do. I have manufactured in Asia with like, you know, different companies before and they're great for making a lot of things. But I think like, you know, when you're trying to get something out quickly and you don't have like a good base to start with, I think development is a lot harder. I think you just have to go through a lot more fittings to get the fit right and like communications. It's just very different. And I know this even having like lived there and like stood there in the sample room of a factory and like talked to their pattern makers. There's just a little bit of a more disconnect. So I just felt more comfortable working with people that I had worked with before. To be totally honest, my factory that I still use to this day, they are kind of just doing this for me as a favor because the owner like had worked with me at like my first job and he really likes me and is just like doing it for me as a favor, you know? And so is that in New York? Is it in LA? It's in New York. It's a great tailored (laughs) factory. Like I know like there are other customers and like they're selling their pants for $900 and I'm just like, okay, like you're going to make these like amazing, like, you know, pants for me. And Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then you mentioned before about the fabric. Are you doing kind of custom development? Like, how are you approaching We're doing that? a little bit. Like, we're obviously, like, looking at, you know, Scholar is very big name within the performance industry. So we did start with them. And, you know, they're really, really great at doing what they do. But we also wanted, like, our own take on things. So, you know, we definitely, like, took, like, whatever was available and was like, okay, this is, like, something that they don't usually do their you know, water repellent coating. And then we made them add it on and like did different weights and just like, this is exactly what we want. So a little bit of like our own spin on everything. What has been the cheapest and also most expensive lesson so far? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think luckily we haven't had any like crazy expensive lessons But in a way, I think that has been a little bit detrimental. I think the reason why we haven't is because we have been a little bit more conservative, which is then in its own way good because like there's been no major mess ups. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, sometimes you just got to like go for broke and just like go all the way. So that's something the two of us, we kind of like go back and forth and we both agree. And it's just... I hate like going back to the women's issue again, but I think since starting this, you know, we've had definitely noticed like a lot of like how we've been conditioned to be a little bit more cautious Mm. and like, okay, let's think about this a little bit more. And let's, so we definitely push each other to kind of like go past our comfort zones. And so are you both working on this full time or is it? I'm working on this full time. Evelyn has always either consulted or, you know, had like a separate like marketing day job. I think it's a little bit easier because like, you know, her part of the equation is more on the marketing and branding side. And so it makes more sense. But I kind of have to cover a little bit like everything else. And I think it's just better that way. Yeah. What about like the financing piece of it? Is this this self-funded? We're all self-funded. Basically, all the sales has just like gone back into more development and expanding and more production. And, you know, like to be totally honest, that's part of the 
why we only have like 12 SKUs right. is because like, okay, this is how much money we have to like manufacture like now and then we'll sell it and then we'll put that back in and then make more. So, you know, I'm really lucky once I decided to do this, I just like put away all my money and, yeah. you know, you can be scrappy and, you know, like funny, like people that come to us and it's like, oh, do you want to take on investments? And I'm like, sure. But then what does that mean? Yeah. And I don't want to be right now like responsible for like answering to someone else and yeah. you have to be really really careful like in fashion it's very very different you know it's not like i'm not going to promise someone like you know a billion dollar company in like five years it's yeah. not like a realistic thing like i would love it but it's not realistic yeah. given like how the industry is you know we're selling a physical product you can make as much money as like the physical products you sell so i always found though when we were working on ours we were also kind of entirely self-funded in mm-hmm. it once you understood kind of the challenge you got to the idea that okay we actually have very aligned incentives which is we need to really focus and be disciplined and all that and i think if you start with that it can be really good and then maybe down the road yeah. money comes in but if you start with the money thing you there are so many stories of people just burning money effectively and creating nothing of value yeah of course and you know i see a lot of fashion or apparel related companies that has the very few that has been able to get institutional money and a lot of them have like a tech component to it and a lot and you know we definitely discussed that and like talked about like should we like introduce like some more like a tech component or like make it and at the end of the day, they were like, no, because we set out to make fashion items and to sell clothing. And that is our core product. And like, we're not going to change that in order to kind of like fit into yeah. what's in Some box. On, on trend right now, of yeah. like how people are like getting funding. And so this is what we're going to stick with. Yeah. And then I guess as you look forward, like what's kind of on the horizon or what are you most excited about? I'm really excited about just like expanding our offering. We're answering emails every day, just like, oh, like, you know, when are you going to add this? And like, I can't wait for, you know, and just like, yes, I'm right there with you and I, I want to do it. So I'm just really excited to see the growth and waiting for Evelyn to come on board full time. <laughs> <laughs> just sending a message. Um, and then I guess as a last question, what's like something you know now that you wish you did when you started? Go back to the, you just don't know until you try. Yeah. That's the best way to learn, to be totally honest. Just like, you just don't know until you try it. And whether it's a yes or a no, at least you know. Versus if you just don't try it, then you just never know. You're just like theorizing about what could happen. Oh, yes. You can theorize all you want, but then like getting like customer feedback is just like a seal on the stamp. And that's way better than the two of us sitting back like yeah. arguing back and forth yeah <laughs> so yeah cool well thanks for talking thank you i really enjoyed this thanks for listening to the loose threads podcast join the newsletter at loosethreads.com and feel free to leave a review on itunes we always appreciate it this episode was edited by george drake jr and my thanks to him for his time on it it was great talking with Yehua about the founding story behind Pivot and how she's bootstrapping the brand as it continues to grow. Limited capital is often a blessing, and it sounds like they are making the most of everything they have to grow the brand the right way. We have a great roster of upcoming guests, including Alana Branston of Bolton, Carrie Hammer of Her Namesake Brand, and Dave Kong of Davak Umbrellas. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.